Good morning, and peace be with you. <clears throat> We're delighted to have Diane with us again, leading uh, music worship, and thank you again, Diane, for uh, coming and playing and sharing your time and your talents with us. Um, I am reminded this morning of all of the uh, servant hearts that are at this church. Um, people that don't expect nor really get a lot of recognition for the things that they do behind the scenes. They do it quietly, um, but I'm grateful. And you know who you are. Um, David and I, it took us almost an hour to get here. 22 miles an hour, I guess, would be the equivalent there. Somebody uh, closed the five down at uh, El Toro. And uh, so we were late. And so some of the things that we uh, do with the chairs and all that was already set up. But as I was decompressing in the office, it became aware to me that there's so much more going on in just to put this service on and then the day-to-day -day runnings of this church. And so I'm just really, really grateful for all of you that share your time and your talent and your treasures uh, to forward this ministry to be a place that's welcoming and comfortable and friendly and that the uh, gospel is proclaimed, Christ and Him crucified. So thank you very, very much for this uh, uh, really wonderful gift that you give not only me, but to everyone that comes, and then ultimately, of course, to God Himself. And then Diane reminded me something this morning, and that was, well, we should be thankful you have a freeway to drive on even if it is stopped. And then I said, and a car that, you know, uh, to drive in. So um, thank you for uh, coming alongside me and alongside each other to make this place uh, the place that it is. So without further ado, Ed, you have some announcements for us. Aloha. And good morning. Um, I do have some announcements, uh, but one of the things I'm surprised is looking out there that there's a few people missing that I usually see on a Sunday. So look around. If you don't see some people that you usually see, call them and find out why not. You might be surprised. Some of them might be on vacations. Some may be sick. It's kind of important. Oh, here comes Jan Tubiola. It's called Tubiola time. She's walking in now. Uh, so anyway, back to what I was going to say. Missions. This month is um, going to. So we're supporting this for the Orangewood Children's Home. Orangewood is operated by Orange County Social Services and provides a safe haven for neglected and abused children for seniors, not for seniors, in Orange County. I slipped down to the next line. That's the Bible study. Well, no, that's sit and be fit. Very confused today. Anyway, moving along. Uh, the other important thing that I think should be brought up is the upcoming event, June 3rd. Unfortunately, I'm gonna be out of town. But mark your counters and tell your friends about Nick Galeonitis. He'll be back again with us on Saturday, June 3rd, playing a piano concert for us. Free will donation. I was here when he was performing once before, and it was excellent. I'm sorry I'm going to miss it this time. So again, um, we, people would like to hear from you, especially the homebound, so if you think about that, reach out to those members as well. Uh, we need to be there for one another, as the pastor mentioned. And I think those are the main things that I came to talk about. So without further ado, we'll move on.
Will you please stand if you're able? We come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you. And for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as you're called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, Comfort and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. pray. O King of glory, Lord of hosts, 
uplifted in triumph far above all heavens. Leave us not without consolation, but send us the Spirit of truth, whom you promise from the Father, for you live and reign with him and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. We're going to be looking at our first lesson that Acts 1, and it's going to be on the uh, first chapter, and we're going to be reading verse 12 through 26, found on 1691. If you have the Pew Bibles in front of you, I'd like to follow along. Um, this reading talks about how everything is done in prayer, and including how Matthias was chosen to replace Judas. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room that they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, as, as well as his brothers. In those days, Peter stood among the believers, a group numbering about 120 and said, brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines were spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language, Akeldama, that is, field of blood. The next reading that we will go to, I think, anyway, if I double check, no, continues on. I only got to the verse through 19. So let's go to 20, sorry. For, Peter, for said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may this place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell on it, in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who has been with us the whole time. The Lord Jesus was living among us at that time. That's when. They, so beginning with John's baptism at the time they started from, when Jesus was taken up from us for the one of those must become a witness with us for his resurrection. So they no, nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed. Lord, you know everyone's heart. 
show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots. The lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. So going on to Psalms, our reading there is Psalm 68, verses 1 through 10. Uh, help me responsibly by reading it. Verse 1 through 10. May God arise. May his enemies be scattered. May his foes flee before him. No way like smoke. See wax melts before the fire. May the wicked perish before God. But may the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. Sing to God, sing in praise of his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before him, his name is the Lord. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in the families, leads out prisoners with singing. Rebellious live in sun scorched land. When you, God, went out before you people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth shook, the heavens poured down rain, before God, the one of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel. You gave abundant showers, O God. You refreshed your weary inheritance. Your people settled in it, and from your bounty, God, we provide for the poor. Our last reading here uh, is from the book of Peter, uh, page 1886. We will begin with Peter chapter, first book of Peter, chapter 4, verse 12 through 19 and continuing on to chapter 5, verse 6 through 11. Again, this can be found in your pew Bible on 1886. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal, or even a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for the judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it's hard, for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then those who suffer according to God will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Humble yourself therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering 
and the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. John from the 17th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our gospel this morning comes from St. John chapter 17, verses 1 through 11. It is on page 1679 in your Pew Bible. John records After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those who have given him, that you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed to you, I have revealed you to those who gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words that you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours, and all I have is yours, and all that you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name that you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts. Be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Today is the seventh Sunday of Easter, and today's gospel, once again, places us in the upper room. On the evening before Jesus died for us on the cross, We know that Judas has left the gathering and is on his way to the authorities in order to get the band of soldiers that he will lead to Gethsemane in order to betray Jesus. And Jesus has pretty much finished teaching, the teaching that he intended to give his disciples in that place, the upper room. He is almost ready to go to Gethsemane where he will be arrested. Almost ready. Now, Jesus knowing that his disciples were about to experience three of the 
scariest, most lonely days of their lives, Jesus has one last thing to do before they leave for Gethsemane. He prayed. He prayed to the Father on their behalf. He allowed the disciples to listen in. And we call this prayer Jesus' high priestly prayer. And it is the gospel for this day. Well, at least part of that prayer is the gospel assigned today. This prayer, it, it teaches us much about Jesus' attitude towards us. This is the evening before his death on the cross, and he knew it. And we really could, well, we certainly should understand if he was totally focused on his upcoming suffering and death. But he's not. He is showing that his concern is for his followers. And later on in Gethsemane, he will pray for himself, but there in the upper room, just before they leave for Gethsemane, he prayed. He prayed for those who will feel so alone and so frightened during the coming days. These are the days of his gauntlet of sorrow, suffering, and death. They are the days that, well, the days of his wait in the tomb. He prayed. He prayed for those who will hide behind locked doors until they see him face to face after his resurrection. And this prayer is for us. It's for us as well. Although Jesus has never left us, he has taken his visible presence away from us. He has ascended into heaven, and although he is with us, we cannot see him. He has not yet come to take us into our eternal home. So, we find ourselves in a time of waiting for Jesus to reveal himself. We are in a time, and the time is this. It's the time of now, but not yet. He is with us now, but we cannot yet see him with our physical eyes. He has given heaven to us now, but we cannot yet experience it as we will, most assuredly, in eternity. And all of Christ's gifts already belong to us now, but we cannot yet experience them to the fullest. And so, we live in the time of now, but not yet. Jesus' prayer is for all those who wait in the world now, in the world of now, but not yet. Now, while we live in the tension of the now, but not yet, of the Christian life, we also live in the tension of being in the world, but not of the world. We are like resident aliens, People who reside in one country but are citizens of another. One of the problems that we have is that even though we are aliens in this world, we expect to get along in it and with it. We expect to prosper in a world that is not our home. Some will even tell you that when you become part of God's family, that everything will start turning up roses, that you will become wealthy and more attractive, that when you join God's family, your relationship with your spouse will, will blossom and your children will rise up and call you blessed. 
Some will tell you that in God's family, your health will improve and you will have more energy. This description will tell you that God wants nothing but material and social prosperity for you. And this deception tells you that the worldly success, that any worldly success, actually indicates a superior standing with God. This just isn't true. Jesus has a different teaching. In his prayer, he prayed this, the world has hated them because they are not of the world. And that doesn't sound at all like the prosperity we hear so much about for this world. Because we are resident aliens in this world, this world is out to get us. The devil, the world, and our own sinful nature constantly confront and attack us. Now sometimes the attack is direct and obvious. For example, martyrs die in Roman arenas, in German gas chambers. In modern times, governments have actually used aircraft to bomb and destroy Christian communities in their own countries. In other times, the temptation is, is a whole lot more subtle. The evil forces in this world use enticements and pleasures to draw us away from God. There is the deception that makes a sin seem so harmless and so good and, wow, so desirable that at the time, it's hard to look away. And while we consider the temptation, everything looks good about that sin. Everything looks pleasant. And this has been the weapon of evil from the very beginning in Eden. For we read in Genesis 3, verse 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. You know, temptation always seems like a good idea at the time. It would not be tempting if it didn't. This world is a world of sin, where we are citizens of this world or citizens of heaven. We will sin while we live in this world. And even we who are bound from heaven, bound for heaven, must mourn along with Paul when he wrote his letters to the Romans. In Romans 7, verse 19, he said, I do not do the good that I want, but the evil that I do not want is what I keep on doing. We are saints in God's eyes for Jesus' sake, but we continue to sin. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. The people of this world operate on a spectrum of beliefs when they deal with sin. On one end of the spectrum are those who are deceived, and they've deceived themselves into believing that they do not sin. We say that every Sunday at the beginning. If we say we are without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. This typically involves a dilution of God's justice. They are either toning down God's law to the point that they can keep it, or they get rid of God's law altogether. Now, in Scripture, the Pharisees are examples of this. In spite of the fact that they studied the Scriptures constantly, they interpreted the law in a way that, that made it uh, doable. They saw the law as something that they could actually keep. They 
made keeping the law into an external activity, an activity that was designed to impress men so that they would become objects of praise for their good works. And in fact, they were in denial about their true status in God's eyes. At the other end of the spectrum are people like Judas. Judas, is a, and he's an example of despair. Judas did not deny his sin at all. He understood that he deserved the punishment. In his case, the evil forces of the world convinced Judas that his sin was more powerful than God's forgiveness. And instead of repenting and asking for forgiveness, he hung himself. And evil used the great sin of despair to push Judas over the edge and into the abyss of eternal punishment. The people of this world stand all along the spectrum. Some are quite proud of their own righteousness. Others don't really care. And still others destroy themselves in despair. And eventually they will all stand before God and realize their mistake, but it will be too late. When the Holy Spirit works faith in us so that we can place our trust in Jesus Christ, a new way, a new way opens up to us. Our citizenship is no longer in this world. Instead, it is in heaven. And we live in this world as aliens. When the forces of evil overwhelm us and we sin, we have an ambassador with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And the Holy Spirit has given us the sight. He's given us eyes to see our sins and mourn our inability to keep God's law. He has made known the reality of the punishment that our sins deserve. However, instead of driving us into despair... For those who believe, our sin drives us to Jesus Christ. The depth of our sin shows us the height of his love. The love that sacrificed itself on a cross in order to free us from guilt, the guilt of our sin. The love that revoked our citizenship in this world and made us citizens of heaven, and given the right to be called, the power to be called the children of God. And by the Holy Spirit's power, we do not deny our sins, but readily confess them before God. And by the Holy Spirit's power, we find ourselves offering God the highest praise as we beg God be merciful to me a sinner. Jesus prays for us. In his high priestly prayer, he prayed that the Holy Father will keep us in his name. And in this way, he will, he will have, by grace, the unity that the Father and the Son have by nature. We will have that. And as we look at the words that Jesus used, he used the words holy, father, and name. We see that Jesus' prayer is a variation of the beginning of the prayer that he taught us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And as we listen to Jesus' prayer, we learn that the closer we are to the Father, the closer that we are to each other. When the Father keeps us in his name, when he keeps us in his name, we, then we are not, excuse me, 
when the Father keeps us in his name, then we are at one in him. So how did Jesus keep us in the Father's name? How does he do that? Well, his prayer tells us that as well, we, when he prayed to the Father, he said this, I have given them your word. He kept them in the Father's name by teaching them the Father's word. And he still works that way today. Martin Luther said that that very same thing when he explained how we keep God's name holy amongst ourselves. Luther wrote, God's name is kept holy when the word of God is taught in its truth and purity. And we, as the children of God, lead godly lives according to it. And he says, help us to do this, dear Father in heaven. And he goes further and says, but anyone who teaches or lives contrary to God's word profanes the name of God among us. Protect us from this, Heavenly Father. It is God's word in the divine service. It is God's word in Bible class, in the men's study on Saturday. It is God's word in family and private devotions that keeps us in the Holy Father's name. The Holy Spirit uses God's word to revoke our citizenship in this world and to establish and maintain our citizenship in heaven. It is Jesus, our great high priest, that loves us so much. And when any normal person would be concerned for his own upcoming suffering and death, we know that Jesus was praying for us. He was praying that we would remain in the Holy Father's name by the power of his word. He was about to go to the cross in order to make it so that we would be in this world, but not of it. And he prayed to his Father to keep us that way. Jesus prays for you. He prays for me. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Will you please stand if you're able? Let us now confess together our faith to the words of the Apostles' Creed found on page 3 of your bulletin. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus to pray. Thank you for loving us so much that you sent your Son, Jesus, to die on the cross to save us. Thank you for blessing us with each other and this church family. I pray that you would bless each person here and our families. I pray that we would feel your loving presence with us right now and each day that you give us. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would refresh us if we feel tired. Guard our hearts and minds from the attacks of the enemy and grant us supernatural joy even when we face pain, trials, and tribulations. Cast out fear doubt and anxiety and replace it with your peace that transcends all understanding. We surrender our cares to you because you care for us. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Your word is truth. I pray that it would be planted deep in our hearts so that our faith and trust in you would increase and encourage us. Let your word be more real to us than what the world says. We thank you, Lord, for all that you have done for us. You are our provider, and we are dependent on you. You are worthy to receive all of our praises, and you deserve all the glory and all of the honor, Jesus. You are our hope. We love you because you first loved us. Thank you, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace. Will you pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, maker of all things, through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and ever-living God. But chiefly, we are bound to praise you for the glorious resurrection of our Lord. For he is the true Passover lamb who gave himself to take away our sin, who by his death has destroyed death 
and by his rising has brought to us eternal life. And so, with Mary Magdalene and Peter and all the witnesses of the resurrection, with the earth and the sea and all their creatures, and with angels and archangels, cherubim and seraphim, we praise your name and we join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples saying, take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray together the, Je- the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. We are in this world. We are not of this world. We're not of this world because of what Jesus did for us on that cross, all who should believe. Jesus has hidden himself from us, from seeing him with our own eyes, but he comes to us in word and sacrament. Today, he is here in the elements. Today, he is here through the power of the Holy Spirit. He meets you right here at the rail. There's not really a rail, but right here. If this is your confession that he is your Lord and Savior, then come. The table is prepared. Your ushers will bring you forward.
He sent the paraclete to be with us always. 
and he didn't leave us alone. And before he left, he prayed for us, and he continues to pray for us. Thank you, Jesus. And now the benediction, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.